Good morning, all, and welcome to this morning's encounter with the Lord. This is Russell, your host. How are we all this morning? Good morning, Russell. Good morning, everyone. Morning, Russell. Morning, everyone. Morning, Russell. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Russell. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. We thank you, God. The Lord in the midst of his people who is mighty, here you are in our midst. When we call on your name, you come. The Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. We thank you, Jesus. You gave of your everything for us. And yet you continue to give. Just as Brother Savio shared in his reflection this morning, you stand knocking at the door. Patiently wait and keep on knocking and patiently waiting. It does not change into pounding and banging. You wait for us to open the door to let you into our hearts and into our lives. And you give us the power of your spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be tabernacled within us. God with us at all times. You said, I will never leave you. But I will always be with you even unto the end of time. And through your spirit, you strengthen us and you pour your peace and your joy into our heart. Your love. So that with his help, we are able to take on your image, your likeness. We are able to take on your nature and your character. And that peace and that joy which only you can give and no one else can give. That which helps us stay focused, that helps us maintain our joy, even in the midst of challenges. That helps us hold on to our expectation, the source of our joy. Expecting what we have prayed for in accordance with your will and your written word will come to pass. We want to share that peace and that joy, Lord, this morning with all those that are part of this prayer meeting. And with all those that are part of this praying family called by your name, Holy Spirit. And we share it with all those for whom prayers have been requested on this group and all those that have no one to pray for them. We share it with those that are called Christians and yet do not know you. And all those that have had the opportunity but choose to turn away from you and have chosen darkness over your light of wisdom and understanding, over your presence have chosen false doctrines and other religions. All those that have chosen to believe the lies of the enemy and depend on science or common sense or even secularism. We ask forgiveness, Father, on, on, on behalf of ourselves and our brothers and our sisters. Quicken them, quicken us, O Lord. That every lie that we continue to believe in, and there are still some lies that are part of our traditions, that are part of our cultures, that are part of our habits, that we have not questioned. Quicken us, O Lord, that every such dark corner in our life be illuminated by your word, where you let that word stand out to us and you show us through your revelation the glory of your presence. And each of these, our brothers and our sisters, as well as us, are able to make that conscious 
decision to turn towards you. Let every such veil, every such lie that stands before us and keeps us from seeing you be torn down. Every mountain be cut down to reveal that presence, to reveal your truth, the truth that shall set us free. And as we make our prayer this morning, we call on your name, the name of our King, who is also the maker of the universe, the almighty, the omnipotent, the omniscient and omnipresent. The one who is ever faithful and will fulfill everything that he has spoken of in his word. He never goes back on his word. The one who has loved us with an everlasting love. That love for us does not depend on our activity. Does not depend on the extent of our sin. His love is unchangeable. His nature is unchangeable. He is not the son of man that he will lie. He is God himself whose word does not change. Over generations, over times and even in different circumstances. His word is eternal and it stays the same. And we pray in the name of his son, Jesus. The one who lived up to every single alphabet in every word written in the book. Who fulfilled every law of the father. And through him was our atonement made. It is through him that we have received the gift, the free gift of grace. So that every area that we fall short in. Through this grace, we are brought up to speed. Every law that we have failed to fulfill, it is through his grace that we are counted as righteous against it. Through his blood. It is he who taught us faith. It is he who taught us prayer. It is he who taught us how to commune with the Father. And he was not ready to leave the Father even unto death. And on, the, on his last moments, he cried, Father, why have you forsaken me? It was not about the father leaving him to suffer, but it was the loss of that fellowship that he cried for. The loss of that communing with the father. And we pray in the name of his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of truth. That same spirit of resurrection who raised Jesus from the dead. The one who convicts us and heals our backsliding as well today to raise us up. From all death of sin to life in salvation. It is he who reveals the truth of the father mentioned in the word. So that we are able to compare every circumstance and situation that has been created out of the lie of the enemy. With what the truth of the father says and the abundance that it speaks of. For that is what the plan of the father is for us. To give us hope and an expected end and not let us end up in trouble and sorrow and suffering.
It is he who, through Jesus and the Spirit, both make intercession for us. One at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and one makes intercession for us by being with us, tabernacled within our bodies. Praying with us every time we pray, and on our behalf as well. So when we have two of the world's best advocates, in heaven and on earth, in the spiritual man, in the physical realm, both sides covered. How can that case be a lost case? How can I end up in shame? How can I be lost in the outer darkness? All I need to do is turn towards God's mercy and that is what we will look at today in our reflection. Father, we thank you for your revelation that you pour into our hearts. We thank you that you open our eyes so that even as we listen to this reflection this morning, you speak to each of us individually. You show us circumstances in our life and you point out to other verses in the Bible parallelly. You teach us your will, your word. You open up our understanding and you pour into it your wisdom. We thank you, Father, for the gift of this life. We thank you for the gift of family and friends. That this life is meant for fellowship with you, to love you more. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said, this is all that we need to be doing. And the Ten Commandments are broken down into these two groups. We thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with family, with friends. For us to experience that love and for us to give of that love. To fulfill your commandments. We thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with angels and with destiny helpers. That we might command and these angels shall fulfill. You made men lower than angels and yet you gave us authority over them. And they shall fulfill every word that we speak as the voice of the word. The voice of Jesus and in accordance with his will. You have given us destiny helpers. Delicately but yet carefully, strategically planted in every position in our life so that when we need them they are there we ask for that discernment father to see them and know them and to call upon their help when needed we thank you lord that you have blessed us with the gift of prayer that we can commune with you not just putting on our requests all the time but speaking to you out of love out of reverence for our father and out of honor for our king so that when we come with expectation in our heart and you make the energies of Zion available to us, we are able to tap into it through discernment. We are able to receive from you. We thank you, Father. And today, we probably will have this as a two or a three-part series over the next two to three days. And we look at how mercy is administered from God to men. And likewise, since we are an image of God, this is the same applies to us as well, from men to men. 
that is reflected on it from both contexts. Every fallen man sustains a weakness, which has actually led us to fall into that sin. And that weakness is what necessitates God's mercy. But not everyone that needs his mercy, everyone that thinks that he deserves God's mercy will get it. Only those that qualify will receive it. So then how do we tap into this mercy? Let's explore this side of faith, of his mercy today. And in this series over the next couple of days. As we see in Psalm 51, man has an inherent limitation whereby he is unable to glorify God unassisted. David through the psalmist prayed, through my, I was born through iniquity from my mother's womb. And so we are unable to glorify him unassisted. And that is why God introduced the system of advantage for men. So that we might not uh, forever remain fallen. And Satan, the accuser, continually accuse us in the court of judgment. God introduced this system of advantage called mercy. So that man, out of that mercy and the grace that God makes available in it, might become a full expectation of God's, might become a full expression of God's expectation. Of what God's will says. Of his image and his nature. Irrespective of our human limitations. Now I just want to quickly touch on compassion and mercy. We might see that word come up in our story as well today. Compassion is an emotion that one feels. And mercy is the resulting action that they will take. And this is on the giver of mercy now. So how does one tap into that compassion in order to provoke God's mercy? Psalm 51 verse 17 is significant here. It says, anyone who assumes the posture of a broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise such a person. The same is also echoed in Psalm 34 verse 18. So what is a broken heart? A broken heart is one that accepts its limitation and surrenders to God's intervention. One that has given up all self-righteousness. One that has surrendered his own ability and does not believe that ability can get him to the point where he is able to salvage himself. He has surrendered all his self-righteousness, pride and ego. And as Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, we pray this every day, but we do not think too much deep into it. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, the one that trusts in God and does not lean on his own understanding or his own wits and intelligence. He has passed that stage. He knows that on his own, he's unable to do it. Understands that unassisted, he cannot fulfill. So he calls on that assistance. To understand how to tap into God's mercy, we shall look at a few cases, a few stories in the Bible. And today let's look at the, the most popular one, 
the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, from verse 11 onwards, we see that the younger son decided to ask for his share of the inheritance and go into a foreign land. That's a classic case of how Satan does it today as well. To separate people from their source, from their father, from their sphere of protection. So that they will act out of ignorance when they make their own decisions and end up making wrong decisions. We see that in the case of Lot as well. Lot left home with Abraham. And look where he ended up when he split from Abraham. He ended up in Sin City in Sodom. Does that happen to us as well? Have we had such experiences in our own lives where we have thought, I've got this. I know what to do. And we make certain choices in our life and end up in a struggle. And we think, when we look back, what was I thinking? And we realize that God was not part of that decision. Now going back to the younger son, when he had spent all that he had, there was a famine. This is usually how Satan pressurizes people, cuts them off from God, tricks them into making foolish decisions until they have used up all their intelligence, their ideas, their resources, their money, everything that they have, so that he can go for a kill. He can harvest that soul. Why does he do that? Because this soul, this man, is created in the image and likeness of God. So by destroying that image and likeness of God, he thinks he can exact revenge against God for throwing him out of heaven. This is why Satan attacks you. Does that sound familiar? It is definitely true in my life. The younger son was starving and he had no food. No food was given to him. He would have happily filled his belly with whatever the pigs ate, but was not given anything. And then the Bible says he came to himself. That's an important turning point in each of our lives as well. He realized the mistake. He struggled with hunger. Does hunger bring you closer to God? Yes, it does when the atmosphere is similar to this one. Many times you question, why does God let me suffer? You can see that here. He wants you to come to the realization of the mistakes that have been made. And it's not so much the mistake so that he can shame you. But it's more so to, for you to learn from that mistake so you can turn around and not let the devil oppress you anymore. For as long as the devil oppresses you, it pains him as well. Pains the father. And all he wants is, oh, wake up my son. Oh, wake up my daughter. Look at where you are and just come home. When you come home, you are safe. There is nothing that the devil can do to harm you anymore. 
That's all he expects from us. And on a different tangent, when we look at it, that's how fasting is meant to work as well. <clears throat> so that when we are hungered or when we are deprived of something, we are able to come closer to God. If we are able to replicate such similar situations, we can make it effective. And then verse 18 says, the son said, I will arise and go to my father. Now he's speaking to himself. He has not yet said anything to the father. Not to anyone else. I will arise and go back to my father. It's interestingly strange how when there is plenty in our lives, we do not remember God either. And yet when there is a shortage and inadequacy, it can often come as a blessing to us. We must renew our perspective to look on hunger as well, that inadequacy as a blessing to see and ask the question, God, what are you trying to reveal to me? What realization do you want me to come to? How can I come to myself like the prodigal son and see where the issue is, where the challenge is in my life, what mistake I have made so that I can turn away from it. What he then said to his father amounted to be counted as brokenness and touching the compassion of God. The Bible uses that word compassion there. When you tap into that compassion, you receive mercy. He said, I am no more worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. For I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. Let us examine this in the light of Psalm 51 verse 17. A humble and a contrite heart or a broken spirit and a contrite heart he will not despise. The minute he said, I have sinned against you and against heaven, he has acknowledged his sin, his mistake. Acknowledgement of that mistake makes a person contrite. When he said, I am no more worthy to be called your son, treat me as one of your servants. He has humbled himself. When he fulfilled both those conditions, such a heart the father will not despise. How can he despise? He has loved us with an everlasting love. That is not changeable. Now the important thing here for us to remember and note in every challenging circumstance in our life, to become humble and contrite is within our power. It is not for God to force it into us. It is not something that will come from someone else. It is a realization that we each must come to within our own hearts. Like the sun. We must choose to do it. And when we do, then as the story says, the father has compassion and offers mercy by offering grace and the robe of righteousness. Let's look at what that grace and robe of righteousness looks like. The father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. That best robe is the robe of righteousness. We see him talking about a similar robe even at the wedding feast of the son in the parable of 
the, the wedding feast of the sun, where they gathered people from the crossroads and everyone was given a robe, the wedding robe. And here again, he put a ring on the son's hand, the ring of authority, that ring which only his son would wear, the son of the king. Let's look at what does John 1 verse 12 say. It says, whoever believes in Jesus, he gave them power to be called sons of God. That's exactly what the son, the second son here, the prodigal son did. When he believed he was given that power, demonstrated through that ring, to be called a son again, to carry that same authority of the father again. Authority to the sinner who becomes a believer. The ring. And shoes were put on his feet. Ephesians 6 verse 15 talks about shodding his feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Feeding him the word. Feeding him the gospel. So that he might once again open his eyes to see the ways of the father and learn. He has been in a distant land and has learned the ways of the world. He now needs to relearn the ways of the father. That is a journey each of us must take in our Christian rebirth in the spirit as well. And what does the father do? He just wants to celebrate and welcome the son into the kingdom. Let the fatted calf, the one that has been prepared for royal feasts, only the best, let that be sacrificed and cut. For this son was dead and he is now alive. This son was lost and he is now found. We shall continue on this reflection tomorrow. And look at the other son's story as well. So that we can have an understanding when we compare the two. Of what is the difference. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we understand your ways. And how to tap into your mercy. So that in our place of prayer, we are able to approach you with a humble and a contrite heart. With a broken spirit. It does not stand upon its own, but leans upon you. We ask for that edification in our spirit, Father. And we pray this morning for our own physical and temporal needs as well as needs and those of our family and friends as well. Every request that has been put on this Brisbane prayer group too. Father, we pray for all those that are battling sickness and disease, those that are hospitalized, those that are battling COVID, we thank you, Lord. We come to you with an expectation in our heart that when Jesus, through his word said, by his stripes and wounds, we are healed, there is a complete recovery. We come with that expectation and this is what gives us the joy in our heart that the ones that we are praying for, we see them in our visions. In our visions. We see them with closed eyes in the spirit as completely healed. And that is the image that we give you, Lord, in our place of prayer. 
We pray also for all families of the Holy Spirit Brisbane prayer group and cover them by your precious blood, Jesus, declaring it as our hedge of protection. We pray also for all families that are battling all kinds of divisive forces on account of infidelity, violence, abuse, divorce, anything, misunderstanding, anything that seeks to keep your people separated, that seeks to steal the love from that home. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus and cast that spirit of wickedness out of these homes that we now pray for. We pray also for all those that are battling all kinds of strongholds in their lives. Strongholds of poverty and joblessness. Strongholds of mental disorders, addictions, any kind of compulsive behavior that forces your people to remain yoked to the ground and in sin. We plead the blood of Jesus over each of these lives, Lord. And under your authority, Jesus, we declare every such yoke, every such chain broken. We ask for your anointing, Lord. Your yoke-breaking anointing, as is mentioned in Isaiah 10, 27, that deliverance anointing to touch each of these lives. For who the Son sets free is then free indeed. Where the spirit of liberty is, there is liberty and freedom. We pray also for our own personal needs and those of our families, those of our friends, especially those that are not yet saved, that have not yet received their gift of salvation, that they might be quickened like this prodigal son to arise, to awake, to call on your name. For your word says, everyone that calls on your name shall be delivered and shall not end up in shame. This is exactly what you are trying to teach us through this story today, Lord. And if we understand how to tap into your mercy, what should the condition of our heart be when we come to you in prayer and approach and ask for your mercy? Then we know and we know in our heart that we shall receive it when we fulfill that condition. Your mercy is renewed for us every morning. There's a fresh batch made available considering our vulnerability, our limitations. Your system of advantage against the accuser that you have given us so that he can accuse us no more. We pray also, Lord, for all those that are contemplating suicide or abortion this day. We cover them in your precious blood, Lord, that they feel your love. They experience your presence and have a change of heart out of that love. To turn away from what the wicked one is forcing them to do. To take a precious life. And to live that life in your kingdom, Father. Father, we thank you that you have heard us. That you always hear us. You always hear the cry of our heart. And when we speak your word in accordance with your will and release our faith, 
we know in our hearts that that prayer is an answered prayer. The minute it leaves us, it is answered. It might tarry, it might delay, but it is definitely answered. I encourage all those that can pray in tongues to please unmute their mics and let us release our faith in joy, with joy in our hearts. All those that are praying for the gift of tongues to also take that bold step of faith, unmute and ask the Holy Spirit to take over your tongue and fill you with his gift so that you can pray and intercede for others like he does. Let us now make our prayer in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Santa Papa Papia Santa 
In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen, Lord. We release our faith. We thank you, Father, for answering this prayer. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and for the grace that you now make available. Grant us that discernment to see it, to tap into it, and to walk in your abundance with gratitude in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Russell, for your, um, your teaching this morning. The Lord was saying to me, teach my children of my unfathomable mercy. The words that he spoke to me this morning, my grace is sufficient. Immerse yourself in my love and mercy. The scripture I was given is 1 Peter 2. Four to six. Come to him, 
to that living stone rejected by men, but in God's chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Is anyone receiving a word or a message from the Lord, any scripture on their hearts? Please feel free to unmute and speak it out, or you can even type it in the chat box. Father, we thank you that you give us Jesus to be our cornerstone, that important block that will help us rebuild our house, our foundation on it, so that this time when we build it, it is not just a cornerstone, but that cornerstone is the rock, unmovable, unshakable. And our house that we build this time on faith is strong so that the floods from underneath, the rain from the top and the winds from the side, anything coming our way from any direction cannot shake it. Help us to build our Christian house, our church, not just our individual lives, but our church, our community that encompasses and includes our families, our brothers, our sisters, our friends as well, and our neighbors. Thank you, Father. Before we conclude, just a reminder about our Bible study session for this Friday. It is the last part in our six-part series on the 12 steps to a good year. In this series, we will learn to equip ourselves to appropriate the fullness of God's provision and the blessings in the year that lies ahead of us and how to tap into it. We will learn the need to make the right resolutions. We have seen 
the first 10 steps already, and this one would contain steps 11 and 12. It's a very powerful session. Those that have missed on it, I'd encourage you to go onto our YouTube channel. We have a separate playlist with the five videos there. Please go ahead and revisit them and learn from it. We shall share links for people to join on Zoom and on YouTube later this morning, along with the start times for different time zones around the world. Please share that message with as many in your friend and family circles and invite them. And at the mercy and the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and his favor that comes out of his jealous love for us and overtakes us. Let that be multiplied in each of our lives this day so that we get into building mode, so that we tap into God's mercy for ourselves and for our brothers and our sisters. And we are able to be a blessing to everyone around us in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Be blessed and have a wonderful Wednesday, everyone. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, Russell. God bless everyone. Thank you, everyone. God bless. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Russell. God bless you and everybody.